Welcome to LocalJobNetwork.com radio. Your attention today is directed to Minding Your P's and Q's, a show that studies the sensitive and sometimes treacherous subject of business etiquette. I'm your host, Tim Muma. Today we're discussing co-workers or teammates who aren't quite pulling their weight and the ideal decorum to follow. I'm joined by CEO Jessica Olenberg from HRS Inc. to get an expert's point of view. Jessica, thanks once again for giving us your time. Absolutely. Thank you for the invitation. Obviously, it's great to have you here to get some more insight and to give our listeners an idea of why exactly we would like to have brought you here. Just describe kind of you, your company, and your experience in in this kind of area. Certainly. HRS is, is a management consulting firm, and we are devoted to organizational development as well as employment law. Our clients are local and global, and we do see a variety of team structures and sizes in that our clients actually range anywhere from 10 employees to over 100,000 employees in in 100 countries. So the dynamics can be very different from one organization to another, but there's a great deal of commonality as well. Sure, sure. Great. Well, that's great for you to have kind of that broad spectrum uh, going into this. So I guess in terms of level of frustration, that's the first thing I think of if you are thinking of somebody who you know isn't picking up the slack like they should or maybe you're doing a little extra work because of whatever situation where do you think um, the idea of a coworker not pulling their weight what level of frustration is there of what degree or intensity do you think that typically there would be from a, a fellow employee extremely high sure it is a major complaint uh, those who are not pulling their weight are considered to be offloading their work to others mm-hmm and also holding back team and individual success. And I guess then in the same kind of vein, what is kind of the, the biggest issue that derives from that? I mean, is it is it simply a production thing or is there really more that, that goes into it as far as the environment or atmosphere that's there? There's a great deal more that goes into it. In motivation, we're, we're taught to learn about theories and perhaps some of our listeners have learned about Maslow or ERG theories, maybe even back in grade school, if Hmm. not high school or college. But uh, with motivation, we find that people have different motivators and are at different levels of seeking motivation. So it, it could be basic needs. We could find that people not pulling their weight are threatening their coworkers' job security. Mm-hmm and their ability to put food on the table. Others may be at a different stage of motivation and may just really resent that they no longer like and feel comfortable and feel accomplished in their job. Sure. And one thing is more important to another person, so it really comes down to individuals, but these coworkers who don't pull their weight uh, uh, insult everyone. Sure, sure. And that's somewhat the idea of what I was thinking as well, the phrase of one bad apple spoils the bunch. I mean, does that is that kind of completely describe what happens in these situations? That we find depends entirely upon management's response to the situation. Sure. We find that if management responds appropriately and will catch that and provide some consequences, it can actually raise mo- morale because people will begin to trust that if there is a bad apple, that bad, bad apple, so to speak, will be discovered and removed from the tree. Right. And sometimes we've you know, heard the analogy of the sacrificial lamb and these types of things. Once we have that situation, we can actually use it to build trust. But if management does nothing about it, then it's definitely 
going to destroy the whole bunch. And we'll probably touch on that a little bit more as far as, you know, what management could do in a situation like that or the ideal route. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, though, before it even gets to that, and, and I'm kind of playing off of your experiences, what you've heard, what you've seen, how often is it or how common is it really for one employee to actually call out another one or reprimand them for, you know, not doing their job or not doing as much as, you know, the teammates in that project kind of thing. Does that happen often? Is that really a common situation? It is fairly common, okay. but it does go to personality type and it certainly goes to a specific situation. Some people are going to be more outspoken and comfortable with that type of confrontation. Others are going to maybe be a little bit more passive aggressive and others will simply shrink and get quiet about right. it. So it does go to the individual. Obviously, then, if a person isn't comfortable necessarily going right to that person and dealing with it, they may just go to management and, you know, quote unquote, ratting that person out. As far as that happening and maybe the impact on the team um, or the company as a whole, what, what kind of impact is there if, if there is perceived somebody to, to rat someone out or just, you know, to tattletale, so to speak, uh, right. against someone else? Right. When we're talking about a team, it's important that the team actually functions as a team. So before going to management and ratting out or speaking of problems and perhaps criticizing how the team is functioning, the individual does have a responsibility to go to the team first. It really should be at least a majority rule, Mm -hmm. if not the team leader's responsibility to go to management. But the team's input in how we channel that information is absolutely essential. Or you could actually break down the the whistleblower may, may actually do more damage than the person not pulling their weight. And I'm glad you say that because that was one of the things if someone were to go over the heads of the team, so to speak, you know, mm-hmm. not discuss it first and just they're so frustrated, fed up, maybe they just don't like the person, whatever the reason, I mean, what kind of impact can that have on the team, especially negatively, either individually for the person that was seen as the whistleblower or as the the group as a whole? Very negative impact. Uh, it, again, if the team is not supporting that we've gone to management already, employers absolutely look for conflict management and conflict reduction skills in their employees. Mm -hmm. So when you're demonstrating that you can't handle this problem on your own, you're admitting a weakness and or a failure. It's important not to indict the rest of your team members who maybe felt that they could have handled it on their own, but again, didn't want to be a lone, lone ranger, so to speak on the subject and was just waiting for an opportunity to get with the team. Mm -hmm. Somebody jumps the gun, goes to management, everyone feels a little thrown under the bus. Okay. With kind of that in mind, um, obviously, again, you've been in plenty of situations as far as helping out others or maybe just in in speaking, um, you know, with your experiences with other people. Do you have maybe a, a story or two that specifically points to a time when the outcome maybe was good, maybe was bad as far as having to deal with this situation. Maybe it's the team goes to management or agrees on it, or maybe it was a bad outcome where a person really did just get frustrated, do what they needed to do, and, you know, the outcome was poor. Do you have any examples of that you could share? Sure, absolutely. On a bad outcome, we have a situation where a member of the team actually did rat out uh, a coworker and found that the employee actually had more responsibility 
outside of the task at hand mm-hmm. than the whistleblower knew. And the whistleblower absolutely stepped out of bounds and broke the trust rather than just going to the employee and finding out why aren't you pulling your weight? What's going on here? What can we do? Right. And found out that the uh, individual who was being considered to be not pulling their weight was actually doing more work than the whistleblower. (laughs) (laughs) Whoops. Yes, whoops. (laughs) So trust, because it went right to management without any investigation or attempt at collaboration, that trust was broken. It was really hard, if not impossible, to repair at that point. Right. And so, I mean, in terms of, obviously, that would be a a bad outcome. Right. Did you have a situation in mind where it did work kind of in the ideal way you would hope it would? Absolutely. Absolutely. In in the good situation, the team was consulted, and it was team consensus to go to management. All the internal resources to the team were used, input was, was gained, and it was approached very positively. There's a conflict. You know, there seems to be a disagreement in the in, in the goals and the benchmarks, et cetera. And it was actually discovered that the individual who was not pulling their weight had been given conflicting instruction. Okay. One management had told that individual quality is job one. Another manager had told them for this customer, tolerances are not quite as tight and quantity is job one. Okay. And by approaching it the way they did, they actually learned that there was a problem in, in the measurable goals and messages being sent to the team. And the whole team discovered that and were able to get on a better track for success. Kind of along those lines then, say there is a situation where maybe it's not in a team setting, maybe it's two people that their work is kind of relying on each other, even though it's not in a group. And it's just little things that happen periodically that it's affecting someone. What would you give to them as advice as far as what steps you take to help correct it, to approach that? Um, you know, I know you talked a little bit about that with figuring everything out, getting the details out, but it can be a sensitive thing to try to go to somebody. And you just said personality plays a factor. So, I mean, do you have kind of a, a general guideline for what steps you would take? Well, the first thing we recommend is keep an eye on your own productivity first. Mm. You know, pot, kettle. Right, right, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> People in glass houses and, and endless other analogies right. and metaphors <laughs> I can throw here. And those all exist because <laughs> of how often it happens. Precisely. So. There's good reason for all of them. But, yeah, absolutely. Focus on your own productivity first. And only when it's hindering your own productivity and you've done everything you can do, do you really start to focus on other people's work. Sure. And at that point, look internally. See what you can do without having to jump the hierarchy. See what you can do by talking to your teammates, by talking to the coworker. Get that information, get that understanding. Uh, one of the things that we see as a very, very common flaw in all of this is people don't understand what they don't know. Mm-hmm. Everybody's an expert on what they've never heard of. <laughs> <laughs> and um, if you don't know somebody else's challenges and their deadlines and pressures and other responsibilities, snap judgment is a problem. Sure. So try to avoid that. Now there are times where it's nothing serious. It could be minor things. Like you said, you can still take care of your own side of things and, and be productive. When do you when do you try or how do you try to figure out if it's enough to go to management? I mean, 
is it if it's something that's against a policy is that like an automatic type thing um or can it be something less serious i i know again we're speaking in such generalities because everybody's got their own situation but right. as far as like if something like towards policy or borderline against policy is there a different kind of um you know pattern that you should take there yes and thank you for mentioning the different situations right, and different yeah. companies and <laughs> and that is a fallacy that we find is people say well it worked at my last employer well it doesn't work here right the first thing to do is to check your own handbook and check your own instruction and find out what your organization's practices and policies are for that once you know that uh, it is important again to, to do everything you can without jumping hierarchy so then are there any cases where the best policy is to just leave it alone, be quiet. Uh, I would assume if it's anything against a policy that a company has, it should be brought about in, in some fashion. But there may be a time where you don't feel it's proper to say something or you feel uncomfortable. Uh, is Are there times where it's okay to just, just let something happen, even if they're not pulling their weight and it's not affecting you, it's not affecting your team? I, what's the balance there as far as, you know, individual responsibility versus looking out for a coworker or, or someone right, else? Right, right. Thank you for that. We do find that neutrality and being quiet when you know something is going wrong is a little bit like Seinfeld's Good Samaritan Law. <laughs> <laughs> sure. If, if you're not part of the resolution, you're part of the problem, so right. to speak. Right. And there are many employers who do look for that transparency. The best employers will look for that. They want to know when things are going wrong. They simply want them properly channeled. And channels are different from one organization to another. So that's the research that you want to do. Um, that being said, there are situations in which it is very difficult to know as an individual, how much is too much and, and where do I go? Should I be jumping hierarchy? Should I be going to management? Mm -hmm. And typically when that happens, hopefully an organization has some type of employee relations or HR function that you can go talk to right, right. and get an idea that is consistent with the culture and consistent with what the organization is looking for. One of the things that we do strongly advise against is barging into your boss's office <laughs> unannounced and just laying your problems on the table. Right. Time, place, and audience need to be very, very respectful. Sure. If you have something that is keeping you from your work, in most cases, it is your job to immediately go to management after you've done everything you can to alleviate those problems on your own. But that being said, you'd still need to be respectful of your manager's priorities mm -hmm. and perhaps secure an appointment and advance an agenda so that your manager can triage it in the midst of firefighting versus fire prevention. Your manager can, can determine where you, your topic falls within those. Right. And that does kind of lead into um, the other thought as far as reasons people maybe aren't pulling their weight. And you touched on a, a few of them, just the idea of, you know, they have more work than others realize, or they're giving conflicting um, agendas or ideas what they're supposed to do. What are some of the other reasons potentially that, that people wouldn't be at least perceived as pulling their weight? And it could be, obviously, it could be something in the office or even outside. We all bring different strengths, talents, and natural abilities to the workplace. 
And those skill sets are very unique from one person to another. What, when one person is doing their best, they may be underperforming another individual who finds a more natural talent there mm-hmm. who's actually just coasting. Sure. So certainly we need to be responsive to that. And, and part of getting the right people doing the right things is playing to those talents and strengths and skill sets. But we do find inequities within positions. Some people are going to find some people's maximum efficiency is not going to be as high as somebody else's maximum efficiency. That doesn't mean that they're not doing their best. Mm. Uh, That also doesn't mean that we necessarily keep them in that job. So to be quiet on that point isn't necessarily the answer either. But perhaps some patience and respect would be appropriate if if they're doing their best. Right. In that same vein, if, if you do see somebody struggling or there is that perception they're not pulling their weight, what's kind of the etiquette behind offering to help? And the reason I say that is because most of us have a, some sort of ego. So if it's perceived like, oh, I can't handle this or I'm not good enough, how does one approach them if they genuine, genuinely are trying to help, give them an opportunity to succeed where you know they're having a little trouble for whatever reason? One of the things that we teach in organizational communications is what we call Gestalt Protocol. But it is simply speaking from experience versus speaking from advice. Many people are insulted when people give them advice. Who are you to give me advice? Do I ask for your (laughs) advice? And and some people will even preface that by saying, do you want some advice? No, the answer is no. I don't (laughs) want advice from you. But you can never insult someone by telling them what your experiences are and what has worked and what has not worked for you. So some active listening and sharing of your experiences is the best way to approach that situation and to try to suspend judgment when you're delivering that message. Because again, you do not know what challenges somebody else has and what their natural talents are. And that's important that you mentioned the idea of going to them in a certain way because, as you said, we all kind of, at least at some point, have felt like, why are you telling me this or I don't need your advice kind of thing. Um, So what would possibly be or have been in your experiences a negative reaction to that or or feedback? Um, If somebody does go to, you know, genuinely help, but that person isn't receptive. I guess what, what kind of an impact like among those two people would that have? Negatively, obviously, more so than positively. Well, certainly there can be some tension if there's a disconnect in a message. And there can be frustration on both parts. If you're trying to be helpful and it's not being received that way, it's frustrating for you. If someone's trying to correct your behavior or you're perceiving that, it can be frustrating for you. So a a conflict can absolutely emerge from that type of a situation. But if it's not resolved at that level, chances are management is going to need to be called upon at that point. And ideally, management has those conflict reduction skills Mm -hmm. that could intervene and facilitate and hopefully bring both parties to some type of a consensus, if not an agreement to disagree, but at least an idea that both were coming from a standpoint of trying to accomplish the same goals. If there's goal alignment, there's a lot more forgiveness. Right. When there's not goal alignment, it becomes very difficult sure. to ease those tensions. And you brought up management, and that kind of gets us to a point of, 
you talked about fire prevention versus having to put out the fire. What are the steps or some ways that the employer management can try to ensure that this kind of thing doesn't happen, where that, you know, employees are doing what they need to do, they're functioning as a team. Obviously, you only have so much control, but it would seem to me that the companies that function the best have these sort of guidelines and steps that they would take before any of this even would would happen. Communication is the key ingredient to that. And there are a number of ways that an employer can facilitate that. Uh, Periodic roundtables, not only within the department, but actually mixing some of the departments is a great idea. Mm -hmm. If you often, as an individual, don't understand the demands and pressures of someone outside of your department, but if you're allowed that communication, then you can get a better understanding of their perspective and their needs and perhaps get into a situation of better persuasion, better negotiation, better give and take and collaboration. And it does reduce conflict. Mm -hmm. A lot of conflict comes from misunderstanding. We also recommend teaching conflict management skills. So not only to give them the backbone of the information to have a, a more informed perception, but then also to teach employees how to respond, hopefully in in conflict avoidance, but in conflict management or reduction if you get there. And obviously, these types of things can happen in any size company. I know you talked about, you know, you've dealt with, I mean, both ends of the spectrum. Does it seem like something like this would be more prevalent in a smaller company or in a large company? Does it just end up being like a departmental thing? Uh, or is this just common kind of across the board that you're dealing with different personalities and things like this happen, just kind of from your experience mm-hmm. and, and people you've talked with? It is definitely across the board, and it is quite prevalent in companies of all sizes, but it looks differently. Mm-hmm. Uh, in a smaller organization, you may have more of a family atmosphere. And uh, there also might be a little bit more willingness to speak more openly and candidly with less protocol and less regimen. So it's going to look a little different. In a larger organization, you're going to have a lot more layers and channels. In large organizations, you also have the dynamic where sometimes if you do really well, you're gunning for your boss's job. (laughs) (laughs) And they get threatened and want to almost hold back the visibility of some of your successes. Mm -hmm. So there's that dynamic that starts to come into the picture, which we also need to be aware of. Sure. And we do have a, it's funny you mentioned, we do have a show that we're looking to uh, talk to some people about. It's called Management Impedance because I have read a lot of that where, you know, managers, supervisors are seen as people that are important, you know, to a, right, uh, an employee that's, you know, that they're overseeing mm-hmm. um, and they're just hitting their head against the wall because they're being stopped, so to speak, sometimes on purpose, sometimes just inadvertently. Uh, and I guess that kind of falls in line here. Is that something that you've come across that you've heard of, uh, whether it be intentionally or unintentionally, where a manager, a supervisor is, is, like you said, kind of stifling them a little bit? It's very prevalent. It is to be expected. You will find exceptions to the rule, mm-hmm. but it, it, it goes to the idea of expect the worst case, prepare for the worst case, and then strive for the best case. Right. 
and uh, it needs to be expected. Sure. So it is something that you think people should, in general, just be aware of, not that be you should aware seek of it, it out. But absolutely. <laughs> right. try, try to avoid it and hope for the best and do everything you can to get around. You don't need to necessarily accept it. There are ways to get around it. But right. a few reasons managers will do that is, first of all, they don't want to be outshined necessarily by their employees. It depends upon the management structure and the visibility and reward system that they're uh, experiencing. Mm -hmm. But also, if they've got somebody who's a great right hand, they don't necessarily want to lose them. Right. Definitely. Definitely. How would I run this department without that guy? (laughs) (laughs) Right. So, I mean, it's it's a compliment, but it's also selfish in a way. So, um, yeah, no, that's a good point. And, you know, maybe we'll have you kind of chime in with that subject when we broach it uh, later in the year. Sure. That will signal the end of uh, our program today on minding your P's and Q's. So we want to thank Jessica Olenberg of HRS Incorporated for lending us her knowledge and opinion. We always appreciate your insight. Thank you very much for the invitation. It was great being here. Definitely. Great to have you. And also a thank you to the listeners as well. Please join me again on Minding Your P's and Q's, part of localjobnetwork.com radio. Again, if you have any comments or suggestions for the show, email us at ljnradio at localjobnetwork.com. So until we speak again, I'm your host, Tim Muma.